Oh boy. Man. Uh, this is not what we were hoping for. And I love this song. I love Morgan Gannon. He does a great job. But no, the Chiefs did not chop it up. Not in the least bit. Welcome into the Chiefs Own Podcast. My name is Farzine Vasugi and Zach Steginga also here with me. And boy, oh boy, we've got a lot to talk about, Chiefs fans, uh, or Chiefs Kingdom, as they like to say. A lot to get into. And we have very little time to waste because this is a very short week. Real quickly, facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi, and that's the Facebook page, at Farzine21. At Z Steginga, 913-808-2119. As expected, after a loss, uh, we have uh, a lot more reactions than we do after a win. So we have a lot of text messages we will get to later on. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Share the link. Spread the word for the podcast. Uh, greatly appreciate all of your interaction for the Facebook Live, uh, on Twitter, the text line, and sharing the links for the podcast. Uh, spreading the word of the Chiefs Zone podcast. Uh, definitely appreciate all of that. And uh, Saturday night at Johnny Tavern. Got to meet a couple of chief, uh, fellow Chiefs fans and bloggers and a couple of uh, listeners as well. Um, uh, Mark from New Jersey, he's been a long-time listener. I met him, his son. Uh, I know he's a blogger for Arrowhead Guys, uh, and he had a couple of friends who they listened to the podcast for the first time on their way. Um, uh, and a lot of people like what you had to say, Zach, about the uh, defensive line getting beat up uh, by the Colts offensive line. So I mean, uh, I wish that you know, we had a happier thing to be right about, but I is... do like being right. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, so we appreciate those guys. And speaking of Arrowhead guys, I met Anthony Stratton for the first time. Really, really nice guy. He's the guy who runs Arrowhead guys. Uh, I met DJ Evans, uh, who's a podcaster who you guys may be familiar with. Um, met a couple of other followers as well on social media. So uh, greatly appreciate everyone who was there. Uh, even met someone uh, who confronted me, told me I uh, I blocked him on Twitter. It's like, look, what do you want to do? Yell at me? Go ahead and do it so I can just move on with my night. Uh, I asked her what I blocked her for, and I couldn't follow her story. Apparently, it's something to do with her friend, also on Twitter, who I blocked, allegedly. I don't even remember these instances. I just... People don't realize. They think I... They think I have this grudge, and I think about these people who I block at night. It's like, no, I block you and I forget about you in like five seconds. Which uh, is the point Twitter. of blocking people. Yeah, I mean... I mean, to be fair, I haven't done it yet, but I believe that's the point of blocking people. I mean, you're, you're a nice guy. Everyone likes you. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, well, no, not a problem. People don't hate me. Um, you know what the best part is? And I, I'll just, I'm just going to rant on this for like two seconds and move on. Every time, you know, I block someone, I get screenshots and people tagging me. Oh, this person's bad-mouthing you because you blocked them. Like, great. They're proving why I blocked them. I blocked them, and they are still talking about me. And they're going to continue talking about me. So, that's that. Uh, Not my problem, to say the least. Uh, But we do have a lot of other problems, Zach. Uh, Zach Senga, all the way in New York City. I asked you last week, Zach, if you can see the wildfires... If you can see, you know, any smoke uh, all the way in New York, you said no, but I'm starting to think it's the, the wildfires have gotten worse. Can you see anything now? I mean, to be fair, it's kind of obscured by the fact that the Jets fans have lit a lot of things on fire for beating the Cowboys. So, so, so there are fireworks for those right to now. Go out, and then I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, the, the, the Jets did beat the Cowboys. That was definitely the upset of the week. Uh, doesn't feel like that in Kansas City, though. Um, okay, I want your pulse, Zach. Two in a row, both at home, uh, both pretty frustrating. And we'll, we'll get into that, but 
How do you feel right now? Because we all said before the season, Super Bowl or bust. But man, these are two really tough losses to accept if you're a Chiefs fan. You're 100% right on that. And I'd say that, you know, really it's going to, you know, at this point, you know, you've taken a couple of pretty good punches. And, you know, if this were a boxing match, you know, this is, you know, the sort of a moment where it knocks you back onto the ropes for a minute. Now, does that mean you're out? No. But what will define the season is how you come back. And if you come back punching and are able to actually clean up some of the things that got you on the ropes, or if you're going to just come back out, make the same mistakes, and end up right back where we started. Uh, Which, to be honest, at the very beginning of this game, it looked like we had done a nice job of mitigating some of the things that we were uh, concerned about after last week's game. But then as the game went on, all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, just kidding. We're uh, still making the same mistakes that we did last week delightful uh and ultimately that's something that we're gonna have to you know i think that there's some personnel things that need to get fixed up whether that's people who just need to heal up uh or i mean for the love of god if brett veach could find somebody who can either you know cover in the passing game or you know manage to slow down uh you know an oncoming pass rush and to find someone who can do either of those things without holding i think will be a massive step forward for the organization uh, I have lost my patience with Cam Irving. Uh, I was Who certainly hasn't? unimpressed with uh, Rankin as well today, but I think that you know I'm not looking at him as a long-term concern because I think we did bring in Wisniewski for a reason. Uh, we're just getting him familiarized with the system, and so he'll be up to speed before too long. Uh, but man, like it's so frustrating to see you know, a good defensive stop only to get it taken away by a flag uh or you know a big offensive play only to see it mitigated by a hold it's just they're backbreaking penalties and i am so effing sick of it it's it's frustrating man um when you mentioned you made a lot of great points we'll we'll get into all of that on on this episode and uh, i know we got a lot of text messages that uh uh commented on those things as well uh real quickly before we move forward Obviously, we're doing this recap podcast right now. Uh, on Tuesday, we will have a podcast out. And I mentioned on Facebook Live, uh, wasn't sure exactly when, but Zach and I, we uh, talked things out. We tried to figure out a plan. Tuesday morning, our preview episode for Thursday Night Football against the Broncos will be out. Uh, also, I did say we are not going to have a guest just to keep the show short. Uh, but I changed my mind because the guest I really uh, wanted to have, Benjamin Albright, who, who's going to be on the podcast, he is a fantastic uh, NFL-minded guy in the media, uh, one of the best guys, not just for Broncos talk, NFL talk in general. Uh, this guy really does know a lot. He has a lot of great sources out there uh, in the media, and I just cannot pass up an opportunity to have him on. If we, if we can get him twice a year like we did last year, I'm going to get him twice a year. One of the best guys. So, uh, And plus, he gives a lot of short answers when uh, when he comes on. He, he understands how to do the perfect guest spot whether it's for a radio or a podcast. so uh, It's like it he has some practice long. with it or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, he'll, he'll be on, and because we're going to release the podcast Tuesday morning or late Monday night, depending when you can get the download, uh, it, it'll be a fairly short show. It's not going to be, uh, shouldn't be more than an hour, unless uh, Ben has a lot to say. But I know we'll have a lot to say as well for Thursday. But for right now, uh, sticking with the game from the Houston Texans, 
It's the end of the world once again. Fire Andy Reid. You can hear the honking in New York. Uh, it's either people celebrating or they're just as angry, Zach. No, uh, no, nah, nah, that's just typical New York. Typical, that, that too. Uh, fire Andy Reid. Fire Brett Veach. Fire Steve Spagnuolo. Tra- Someone was trolling on Twitter, I guess. Trade Mahomes. And look, I get I I try to have a, a, a sense of humor about these kinds of things as well. I try to bring some lighthearted conversation to these things because come on look uh you guys know me uh i'll even just poke fun and just try to laugh at this sometimes but zach and i are both genuinely pissed i texted you zach i said look i am really pissed at this uh, after this game um a lot of people are saying one and done in the playoffs some people are saying we're gonna miss the playoffs i even saw uh, i even got a tweet someone was talking about hoping to get the number one overall pick here's my patience right now i get it we were 9 and 0. We started 9 and 0 in 20 uh, uh, 2003. No playoff wins that year. Started 9 and 0 in 2013. No playoff wins that year. In fact, we had the second biggest uh, blown lead in playoff history. Uh against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. Two touchdowns versus no touchdown scores. We lose that game. We had a 21 to 3 lead blown at home against Tennessee. Uh that was brutal. Uh, and, and in my opinion, that Tennessee one was the worst because you had a big lead in that game, and you let Tennessee just take it all back in a year where Marcus Mariota was so bad. But look, hey man, he threw and caught a touchdown in that game on the same play. What's worse, that or the Andrew Luck fumble recovery dive? Because those two got compared a lot to each other against the Chiefs. I mean. From a personal perspective, I, I still think it's the Mariota thing because it, it was at that point where I was I like, agree. ah, crap, we're about to do this, aren't we? Because as Chiefs fans, I mean, let's be honest, find me another fan base who has had more experience with just, you know, to their credit, creative but gut-wrenching losses in the playoffs. We we find a way to make it, you know, keep it fresh and keep it interesting. We don't do it the same way I, twice, but good lord. I think... Uh... I think the fake in one of the fake Andy Reid accounts online said something very, very similar before the Titans lost, saying, "Look, we've exhausted all the different ways we can lose a playoff game." Right? Winky, wink face. Uh, anyway, yeah. and uh, the football gods but, are like, "Hold my beer." Yeah, hold my beer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, before the season, there was a heavy amount of predictions. A lot of people saying the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl over the Patriots. People were picking the Chiefs. Not in the Super Bowl, obviously. I'm talking Super Bowl favorites in general. People were picking the Chiefs over the Patriots. Chiefs fans have had enough false hope, though, man. Some overreactions that I'm seeing on social media, they're a little crazy. But I understand, man. I just get it. So much false hope. We were playing We were playing unbeaten teams. In the first four games, and we were beating them. Now we're playing teams that have a couple of losses under their belt, and we're losing to them at home. I've always been a huge supporter of Andy Reid, but Andy Reid is making it very easy right now to prove his critics right when they say that he will never win a Super Bowl. You ran the ball, and I'm talking the Colts game. You ran the ball against your own end zone, uh, backed up against your own end zone, on second down. Uh, And this was right before the Justin Houston 4th and 1 stop, which obviously it was 4th and 1. What if on 2nd down you ran the play, you ran on 3rd down, and then on 3rd down it's 4th and 1, or excuse on 3rd down it's 3rd and 1, you do whatever you want to do. Hey, if you don't like, if that didn't go your way, you have another opportunity on 4th down. But my gosh, 
I mean, what was that second down call? On Casey's final possession today, Zach, Mahomes completed a pass to LaShawn McCoy for uh, a loss of four. It was actually completed seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. And it wasn't like a quick pass right away. It was a weird play that took forever to develop, and Mahomes just threw it to McCoy. Um, that sure as hell was not a smart play from Mahomes. It's very un-Mahomes-like. I don't know how much of that was him, how much of it was the play calling saying, hey, absolutely you got to throw it here. Uh, on that same exact play, Cam Irving had his 100th holding penalty of the season, which was declined. On the next play, second and 14, Casey runs the ball for one yard. Why, what, why are you running? You've only ran the ball 10 times before that, and all of a sudden you're running when you're down? I, I just don't get that. You're not a running team. Yeah, I get it. The Chiefs were, what, 4.8 yards a carry in this game? That's good, but that's only off 11 rushes. Don't, why are we suddenly running? I, I didn't get that. Oh, by the way, on the next play, third and 13, Mahomes running around in the backfield trying to avoid pressure, and as he got hit, he threw a really bad pass. Thankfully, went incomplete, but... Whether it was picked off or not, it probably didn't matter because the Chiefs punted away, and they had to. They were against their own end zone. They never got the football back. Uh, I don't know why you're running. When it's crunch time, and you have Mahomes, even with a bad ankle, and yes, Mahomes was not in true Mahomes form because of his ankle, but he was still making some plays happen here and there. It's not like Mahomes was completely uh, unable to do anything on the field. Otherwise, I don't think they would have had him play in this game. Um, look, here's where things start to get really tough when you look at the game. You started with a 17-3 lead in the first quarter. Then you get outscored 28-7 the rest of the game. You're not going to win games if you get outscored 28-7 in the final three quarters unless you score 50 in the first, which is obviously not realistic. 17 points scored in the first quarter was more than all of last week, Zach. And Mahomes, by the way, threw 116. Did you know this? Mahomes threw 116 yards on the first drive when the football field is only 100 yards. I mean, given the way that we have a knack for penalizing ourselves, I, it does actually sadly make some sense. No, that happened. Uh, but hey, it was cool. It was a cool stat to read. I had it ready. Uh, it was going to be one of my big Mahomes stats, but no, it doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, the 17 points I was encouraged by because that was, as I just said, more than all of last week, but... Obviously, uh, you didn't get much more after that. 11 penalties in this game, Zach. Four of them, or excuse me, four more that were not enforced. Cam Irving and the special teams unit, they're responsible for about a majority of them. Uh, 11 penalties ties a single game season high for Kansas City, uh, which was last week's total of 11 against the Colts. By the way, here's the worst part about this loss to me. The Colts put out a great blueprint as to how to beat the Chiefs. The Texans followed their plan in the second half. Here's what they did. First quarter, time. Uh, t- here's the time of possession for Kansas City per quarter. First quarter, 8 minutes, 53 seconds. That's pretty good. That's pretty respectable. Second quarter, 5 minutes and 25 seconds. Uh, generally, that may mean you only had the ball for one drive and your uh, opponents had it for two drives. Third quarter, 4 minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, again, maybe it means you had it for one uh, one drive in which um, the Chiefs did, uh, because the Texans did start the football with the, to, to open up the second half. Then in the fourth quarter, Zach, you had the football for a whopping 1 minute and 25 seconds. What did we talk about last week? We discussed how the Chiefs in the second half, during the 17-minute window in the second half, Kansas City had the ball for only one drive and not even two minutes. 
The Colts had the ball the rest of that 17-minute time frame. Let me just read you the second half drives, by the way, real quickly. In order, Houston, 10 plays, 4 minutes, 5 seconds. Missed a field goal. KC, 10 plays, 425 on the, on the clock. 64-yard touchdown drive. Houston, 11 plays, 626. Sweet interception by Charverius Ward. One of the very few times you'll see him make a great play. Kansas City, 3 and out, 15 seconds. Houston, 12 plays, 832, 93-yard touchdown drive. Kansas City, 3 and out. We discussed the 3 and out play-by-play just a moment ago. 1 minute, 14 seconds. And then on the final drive of the game, 9 plays for Houston. 5 minutes and 3 seconds to end the game. Two of them were quarterback kneels, by the way. Here's the bottom line. Fans are not mad at the fact that this team lost. I mean, look, we are mad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not mad over a loss. Zach is not mad over a loss. We are mad because at the way this team is losing games and the way they're losing them and back-to-back home games, you're getting your butt kicked in time of possession. You're not even giving your quarterback an opportunity to throw because Cam Irving can't protect. Even Mitchell Schwartz. He he had a bit of a rough game as well. To be uh, fair, this was just that was not against good JJ freaking Watt though. So like, I'm going to give Schwartz a little bit of a pass. But like, Schwartz is the second highest rated tackle by Pro Football Focus. Look, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, as Ric Flair would right. say. Which is uh, why he's second best, and JJ Watt is a single you know single handed force of nature. Man, like he's you know the fact that he got some pressures on Mahomes like that did not shock me. Uh, and so like I'll I'll give Schwartz a pass. Because, let's be honest, Irving was enough of a problem. You remember that playoff game in Houston where the Chiefs won? uh, I can't remember the score. I think it was 31-0. It it was a shutout. 30-0 against Brian Hoyer. Eric Fisher had a great game against J.J. Watt. Like, Eric Fisher, of all people, and I know we miss him right now. But at the time, I think people still had a hard time accepting him. Uh, I thought Mitchell Schwartz should have had a good game, but that's just me. Uh... Well, and I think he did for the most part. It was just, you know, handful of massive errors as opposed to the, you know, recurring comedy of errors that was Cameron Irving on the opposite side. This was just not fundamental football. And it started with, look, even at times, I, I got a tweet, by the way, right before we started this. You know, oh, what, you didn't like Mahomes in this game? No, I'm sorry. Just because he's our beloved MVP doesn't mean he is immune from any criticism ever. Uh, the the pass to McCoy, seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, I don't know what the hell that was. The play calling was absolutely atrocious. I don't know what Andy Reid's idea was. And you're just not playing good football, Zach. That's why people are angry. Because of the way you are losing in back-to-back home games. One of them on primetime. Oh, by the way, you got four days to prepare for Denver. Yeah, and you not only do you have to prepare for Denver on a short you know, week... But you also have to prepare to go to Denver and adjust to not only a different time zone, but also the altitude, which is, of course, the regularly discussed advantage that the Broncos have built into their home field. Uh, you know, I was saying you can go back to when we did our preview show of you know game by game how we thought this season was going to go. I had that one circled as a trap game because of the fact that it was going to Denver on a short week, and I still stand behind that. Uh, the only difference is, is I didn't think for a second that we would be coming off of two gut-wrenching losses. How do you feel about the way the Chiefs lost this game? Because, man, you, you watch 
the way they played in two games. It, let, let's just say this. Let's say you did not watch a single game in the first four weeks, and you just you just started watching NFL games in week five and six. And if you watched the Chiefs in two straight games, you would ask yourself, how did they start 4-0? and Yeah, 100%. Um, and realistically, like I think that, you know, the way that we've lost these games has been the issue, as you've alluded to. And ultimately, it comes down to, I mean, I'd, I'd like to hammer away at the run defense. And don't get me wrong, they deserve their fair share of that. The defense has done an abysmal job of managing to get off the field on third down. But as you mentioned, you know, the, uh, the second half drive breakdown there, you know, we had two three and outs that put our defense back on the field after a six minute, 26 second drive an, and an eight minute, 32 second drive. You know, in that span, they had a 15 second of game clock, that is. So obviously a little bit more time to recover. Um, but then, you know, after that eight minute drive, you know, the Chiefs offense goes three and out again. Like, that's something that, you know, I guess I'm a little bit sensitive to because having watched our Kansas Jayhawks over, you know, the last few back-breaking years admittedly uh you know the the defense has always been much better than they get credit for but they always break down towards the end of games because the offense can't sustain a drive and that's been a big part of the problem these last couple of weeks um not to mention the fact that the run defense is as i mentioned absolutely pillow soft and i think that you know there is something to be said in their defense that it does deteriorate as they continue to get tired after they've been on the field for so long that is just a fact but that doesn't change the fact that they have gotten blown out now in two straight weeks as far as the offensive line just having their way with our defensive front uh defensive front looked pretty rough secondary seems to have a knack for uh giving up holding or pass interference calls on third down pretty consistently i'd love to go in and see the breakdown of uh you know how many of those drive sustaining penalties we let up um, because they it feels like there were quite a few of them but i digress um regardless just you know it just goes back to you know again every coach growing up tells you that you know when you're playing football you win the game in the trenches and by being fundamentally sound when you're blocking and tackling and this chiefs team has not shown an ability to do that uh, the blocking has been, you know, we've harped on it, and the missed tackles have been a massive problem too. Uh, and I guess, you know, something's got to give at this point. Like, I don't know what the deal is in that locker room, why we can't handle the fundamentals, because it's not like we forgot how to tackle from weeks one through four. Like, that was one of the things that I remember saying on one of these recaps that we did, uh, where, you know, the defense looked like they were making some fundamentally sound tackles, and that was something that was Absolutely, a massive yeah. change from the Bob Sutton era. But it seems like we've forgotten how to do that, and I don't know what changed, and we need to fix it because it's going to make me want to throw things, and, you know, as I can tell you, it's certainly not, you know, acceptable to throw things in public, even here in New York. Uh, So (laughs) I'd personally prefer it if we could fix it, Uh, and, you know, just to make it watchable, like, it's just... You know, it comes down to fundamentals, toughness, and just doing the little things right. Some of the things that have made Andy Reid such a good coach up to this point... And now it seems just absent. It's unacceptable, and we have to fix it. End rant. You're just not going to win games if you only possess the football for 16 plays in the second half. Like, unless your opponents are also getting three and outs, I I just don't know. I I don't know how well you remember that uh, Thursday night football game against the Chargers. Obviously, the Chargers came from behind. The Chiefs were up. I want to say it was 28-7 at one point. 
I think Sounds that right. was the yeah. Uh, the Chiefs were up twenty one points, um, and that was a weird game because the Chiefs either had touchdown drives or they had three and outs, and there was only one drive where they had. Four plays, which might as well just be a three and out because you had a first down on the first play and then you couldn't do anything else after that. The drive stalled. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because Andy Reid, and I'm paraphrasing here, in his post-game press conference, he talked about learning from your mistakes. Zach, he's co- he just coached his 326th regular season game as a head coach. This is his 109th game with the Chiefs, including playoff games. What mistakes have we not learned from at this point? Like, that's my issue right now with Andy Reid. It's like, okay, we had these moments where Jamal Charles was not getting the football. Like, that was a big complaint about Romeo Cornell. Like, Romeo Cornell had no idea why Jamal Charles was getting the ball four or five times. And then when Jamal Charles gets it, however many times he did in that 2014 opener against uh, Tennessee, there was all this talk, oh, he neglected to give the football. But then we saw it over and over and over again. Like, that you didn't learn from that. Um, and, I you mean, know, these small sample size being what it is, based on what I've seen, you know, whatever mistakes we made last week, it sure as heck doesn't look like we learned from them this week. And hopefully no. we'll be able to show that on Thursday. But I'm certainly going to be uh, you know, holding out until I see it with my own two eyes. You know, the bad play calls are continuing. Uh, I thought last year they went away with the exception of that Chargers game I just mentioned. Uh, but now we're starting to see it all come back. I thought Mahomes coming in and starting nullified all those bad play calls. But they have kind of made their way back. Uh, look, I've been a big fan of Andy Reid. Uh, with the exception of one season from Dick Vermeil. Andy Reid has given us the best shot to win the Super Bowl. And what did I say last week, Zach? This is the same guy who turned a 2-14 team around with a 9-0 start. He helped us overcome a 1-5 start. Um, No one else would have been able to do that, I don't think. I know many want Reid out right now because of how he's coached these last two games. Lack of aggressiveness, uh, a blown lead in this game. It's an ongoing issue. I'm choosing to stay calm, but I'm only going to stay calm for now. I just watched the Broncos, and they looked awful. Did you get a chance to see any of that game, Broncos and Titans? I mean, I saw bits and pieces of it. I saw when Mariota got benched and thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill, yeah. Um, They led, uh, the Broncos led 6-0 at halftime, and the Titans pulled Mariota for Tannehill, as you mentioned. But And Tannehill did some good things, but at one point in the red zone, they went for it on fourth down because they had to. Broncos ended up winning that game 16-0. Uh, their defense deserves credit. I know people will say it's the Titans, but they've looked good in other games as well. But man, that offense only put up 16 on Tennessee. And Tennessee, they have a good defensive-minded guy in uh, Mike Vrabel, too. I mean, let's not forget about that. But man, they're not a great team, though. And Denver won 16-0. I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, and we'll get into the... We'll get into the... Uh, Broncos game shortly, but if the Chiefs lose Thursday night, and if Andy Reid does not hand off play calling duties to Eric Bieniemy, we have to start considering a change at head coach. Now I have to follow my own rule here because I've always said to people: if you're going to 
entertain the idea of firing someone or wanting a change at this position, you got to give me a suggestion as to who you think can come in and do better. I'll be honest, man. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll put my hands up and be, admit hypo- hypocrisy here. I don't know. But what I do know is that Andy Reid, like I said earlier, he is proving his critics as to why he can't win big games in January because, or in February for that matter, because of moments like these. These kinds of mistakes come back still. He hasn't learned from them. Yeah, I'm with you and on both on both fronts there, especially the I mean when you mentioned there that you know you thought it might be time to consider a change with Reed, you know, that was my first reaction was okay, but who are you going to get? Cuz if you look at, you know, I mean Andy is still one of the most successful coaches the NFL has ever seen. I mean, realistically, if he gets a Super Bowl, he's a you know first ballot Hall of Famer. If he doesn't, he's still probably a Hall of Famer, but it might not be on the first shot. Uh, It'll be a while. And so yeah, I think that realistically, I, I don't think he's the biggest problem. I mean, I think that it would, we, we've we talked about it a little bit, but injuries certainly have played a little bit of a role in that, you know, we've had to get it. We you have to focus on getting the ball out of Mahomes' hand faster because the offensive Man. line can't block to save their lives, and Mahomes is a little dinged up. But, let, me, let me add something real quickly. The Colts were without their top two safeties, and uh, Bradley Roby went out. You know, and no, I agree with you. Injuries have made an impact, but by all means, that's no reason to lose games. I mean, a lot of teams are dealing with injuries. I know the Chiefs have had it the worst, but we we were bragging about how this team was thriving without Tyreek Hill. No, I'm I'm with you there. I think the bigger concern is that the injury to Mahomes is proving to be a bigger issue than we thought, and the offensive line has shown absolutely no ability to keep him safe. Uh, and realistically, I think that's the bigger problem uh, is that the injuries along the offensive line have led to a patchwork now on, on the offensive line. And that's uh, not something you can have. I mean, if we had Mahomes completely healthy, we win this game because he pulls some magic out and manages to, uh, you know, evade some of that, uh, you know, pass rush that the offensive line led up and, you know, make some magic there at the end. I mean, that's, that's, I think, been the biggest issue with the uh, ankle injury. But as a team, we can't rely on Mahomes to just carry all of it. Uh, you know, we should be able to, you know, have be able to pick him up even when he's not having his best day. Uh, and I think that, you know, realistically, our complete inability to run the ball on the offensive side also needs to be mentioned here. Uh, again, that comes down to the offensive line, too. Uh, don't get me wrong. The passing offense is great. Uh, Mahomes is a great quarterback. But... It can't just be Mahomes and his pass catchers being the one bright spot on the team. Uh, don't get me wrong; they're a very bright spot, and they help you know, make a. They they can paper over a lot of issues, but as we've seen here, if there's so much as you know a little chink in that armor, all of a sudden you know it can't paper over all of these mistakes, uh, and that's I think our biggest issue moving forward is how do we you know, manage to win without it having to always be Mahomes doing Mahomes things. Let me ask you this. You mentioned that the passing offense is great. Can you think of any other big strengths on this football team right now? Mm, The reason I ask that, the reason I ask that is because I was having a conversation with the guys from Arrowhead Live on uh, Twitter. We We were DMing each other about the upcoming game. And I said, you know what? If... It, 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 the Chiefs are a one-dimensional team because if 100%. you take if you can if you can find a way to shut down that passing game, which is great, maybe the best in the NFL. But if you can find a way to take that 
out of the equation for a game, what what, what are the Chiefs going to do? I You're mean, basically relying on miracle pick sixes at this point. Um, that's that's my biggest fear right now. I thought the running game was going to be better this year with running back by committee, and I know some people don't like that, but I thought it was going to work out. But no, uh, certainly has not. Uh, Tyree Kill came back in the game, which was nice. Five catches, 80 yards, two touchdowns, definitely uh, and by the way, one of them was on uh, a free play, and it was a really oh, nice it play. it was beautiful. To, yeah, uh, great play. But uh, a lot of people said Tyreek Hill returning would solve a lot of problems. It certainly scored more than 13 points, but uh, you only got 24 points. Which, by the way, in Patrick Mahomes, uh, man, I, I think it was his first 23 games. I wrote on Twitter, but I don't have it in front of me right now. In his first 23 games, the Chiefs scored... 26 or more points with them every single time, but the last two games, we've scored fewer than 26 points. But nonetheless, Tyree Kill, a lot of people thought he would help solve everything. Not the case. Certainly not the case. Well, and it just goes to show that, yeah, don't get me wrong, it's great to have big plays, but if you don't have an offense that can actually you know, knock some time off the clock, and more importantly, a defense who can get off the daggum field, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, how is this offense going to improve with the pass blocking as the season goes on? That's some something that for sure I'm curious to see. Here's one thing that will not improve, the running game. I don't know why. Because you're letting guys like Carlos Hyde run 26 times for 116 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, 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 revenge game. Look, any running back can do that against us at this point. So I'm well, not to on be the fair. whole... One of my favorite tweets I saw on the day was somebody tweeted out, like, I'm not buying this notion of Carlos Hyde having a revenge game against Kansas City. I've taken pisses longer than Carlos Hyde was in Kansas oh, City, yeah, that, which I thought Adam. was absolutely hysterical. No, that guy's name is Adam. I actually met him. Uh, dude, that guy's funny on Twitter. Uh, yeah, no, that was absolute money. No, he's a lot. He's much funnier in person. He was also one of the guys who uh, was there at JT. Um, but no, absolutely right. Uh, I'm sure there there were some hospital visits if you've had pisses longer than than, I mean, uh, than that. Yeah. Uh, but realistically, like it, I don't buy the notion of a revenge game any no. more than he does. No, uh, not at all. Uh, here's what I will start buying into now: the fact that Frank Clark sucks. Um, he had Deshaun Watson on a one-on-one play, and what does Deshaun Watson do? It, Frank Clark's feet were set. He was ready to make a play, but Deshaun Watson just drilled through like he's Cam Newton and Priest Holmes mixed as one, pushing his way forward to the end zone. Uh, I know many people wrote off Frank Clark two or three games in. I think that's too soon. You guys know me. Even in 2017 when Alex Smith was uh, all of a sudden after that 5-0 and start struggling, I, I was like, let's not jump into conclusions right away for one or two losses. But after a while, you know, I... After a few games in, I think that's when you should consider a change. Uh, six games in, Zach, a, a third into the season, yeah. Uh, I can safely and confidently say that the $105 million you spent on Frank Clark was complete garbage, as well as the first-round pick you traded for him and whichever second-round pick will be between uh, the Chiefs pick and the 49ers pick, which right now, no one knows which one that will be because uh, the 49ers are doing well, as are the Chiefs, until now at least. You know who else does not deserve a big deal? Another defensive lineman, Chris Jones. He didn't play in this game. However... The defense was still just as bad. The only difference, maybe Chris Jones would have had a sack and maybe a quarterback pressure or two. Uh, that's all you would have seen, though, in this game. Jones is far, far, far deser- from deserving a long-term contract right now, in my opinion. 
I don't know. I think jury's still out on Chris Jones. I think that, uh, you know, realistically, you know, you can't hold everything, you know, in a vacuum, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I think that you can't fault Chris Jones and, you know, avoid giving him the contract just because you're regretting the fact that you gave Frank Clark a contract. And don't get me wrong. With the flashes that we've seen from Clark, it was amazing. I mean, you saw the, you know, it was a straight up effort play on that first uh, takeaway that the Chiefs had where, you know, Clark gets his hand on the ball, knocks it out, and, you know, has the presence of mind and also the balance to get out with it. Um, you know, that was an absolute stud play on his part. But then he disappeared so many stinking times. And, yeah. you know, in a perfect world, you know, you could look back and say, like, well, you know, you could have not traded for Clark. You could have kept Justin Houston for the same money, rel- relatively speaking. Uh, you know, had that back of the first round pick and maybe picked up a cornerback, um, somebody to help, you know, I mean, a heck, maybe even like an offensive tackle, um, you know, something to make your team better uh, as opposed to what we ended up doing with it, which I'm not convinced made the team that much better. But, you know, I guess at this point what's done is done. Uh, and I think that, you know, I think as you look forward on some of these things, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is, you know, you had the people who are on the fire Andy Reid train, fire Steve Spagnola train, and also the fire Brett Veach train. This is one of those moments where Veach is certainly looking like his seat's going to need to be a little bit warmer here, but we'll see. Jeff Favre um, on Twitter wrote a really good tweet. He's a good follow, by the way. He said Dorsey's contracts largely fit because there was some comparison on social media about Brett Veach and John Dorsey. He said Dorsey's contracts largely failed, such as Justin Houston, Eric Berry, because of injury, whereas Brett Veach's contracts are failing because the players are just not good at this point. So, I mean, uh, Hitchens, bad. Clark, so far looks pretty bad. And then you got Watkins with injuries. Yeah. I think that's all. When Watkins has been available, he's been great, but you got to be available. That's that's a very important thing. Um, but yeah, most of his most of his contract misses have been more so because of bad play than injuries. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, Not to mention the, uh, the you know Irving and uh, Ragland acquisitions, neither of which look like yeah. great pickups. Yeah, we were um, all praising Irving on week three. No, that's just because the Ravens have a trash pass rush, not because Irving's that great of a pass blocker, as we've seen. Speaking of trash, special teams, uh, Dave Tobin needs to be on the hot seat. Zach, I'm, I'm at the point now. He's had some great years with the Chiefs, and all, obviously in Chicago, but special teams uh, from returning and uh, punting and gradually even kicking with Butker, it's declined. Why is there a freaking flag on almost every other kick and punt return this year? I I, 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 I just expect it at this point now to see a flag every time we are getting a kickoff or punt return. And that's the reason that I agree with you on the you know, heating up of Tobe's seat. I don't think he has that much control over what Butker does. Honestly, with this offense, I really don't care what Colquitt does as much as that you know sounds bad to say, like... You know, the punter shouldn't be on our list of concerns, but you know, it's gone from being a tremendous asset to being a tremendous liability, and I don't understand what changed. I I know Colquitt had an amazing punt in this game, but that's been like one... We haven't seen that in a long, long time. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him as one of the worst punters in the NFL right now. Uh, by the way, Kendall Fuller... He is getting an x-ray on his right hand, according to Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, a friend of the podcast as well. 
Same exact hand where he had surgery on late last year. So Great. One of the very few highlights on this defense. Right now, not looking good. Uh, I, I do want to touch why on why we drink. Yes. I do want to touch on this. Um, the whole referee thing. And we can kind of discuss other games as well. I think I have only seen one challenge this year, and I cannot for the life of me figure out which game that was, but I think I have only seen one time this year where a team has challenged pass interference or a missed pass interference, and it was overturned. The Patriots got away with an egregious interference call uh, on Thursday night. And by the way, for anyone saying, oh, it's the Patriots, no, no, no. I get the notion, but this has been going on before Thursday night. It's happening to everyone. The Chiefs got away with a brutal uh, interference with uh, Travis Kelsey on the on the uh, first drive. And then they had the makeup play for him, whatever. Um, and then the Chiefs, Andy Reid, uh, he threw a challenge flag. And I can't remember what it was. It wasn't, you know... One of those very obvious ones. I mean, you thought it should have been overturned in Andy Reid's favor, but it's not. I mean, we've seen worse calls not get overturned. Here's my thing. I said this on social media Friday morning after the whole Patriots and um, Giants debacle uh, when people were complaining to Al Riveron and all. At this point, why would you even challenge pass interference or no pass interference? Because you're not going to get it changed. Might yeah. as well keep your timeouts. No, I'll be honest. Like, I mean, I follow Carrington Harrison from Six Ten Sports, and he had a good tweet on that as well, where he mentioned, you know, at this point, you know, you might as well be lighting your time out on fire, because really, that's what's been happening. Like, until, you know, I mean, there has, if you look at the numbers, like going into it, I'm pretty confident that there was only one that has been overturned so far, um, and. Clearly, this rule only exists for you know incredibly egregious situations like the end of the NFC Championship game last year, uh, and they don't have any intention of actually fixing pass interference at all because this rule, I mean, the, in their willingness or unwillingness to overturn things, it, it's I think as coaches they pretty much need to get to get it through their heads like all right I can throw this challenge flag but it's basically wasting a timeout because there's not going to be any overturning no matter how egregious it seems to be, at least from what I can tell. At this rate, I'm not even sure they would have overturned the one at the end of the NFC Championship game if a challenge flag <laughs> no. was thrown. Um, which, by the way, would have made a much more interesting story from a Saints perspective. Like, hey, we were able to review this and it still didn't get overturned. But yeah, It's like, hey, uh, the fix is I, in. I digress. Um, look, I'm not sitting here making excuses. I know some people are. Uh, the referees didn't tell Mahomes to complete a pass seven yards behind the line of scrimmage or the offensive line to not block. Both teams in this game were, were hit with a lot – double-digit penalties for both teams. So and it not made it excuse. not fun to watch, to be clear. Yeah. Like, well, they have here's some work my thing. to do on that. Here's my thing. Like, in the offseason, they talked about how this is going to be a rule. I'm like, great. We're going to actually allow teams an opportunity to review these things, which is what you should be able to do. Um, but it's not working the way you thought it was going to be, which by the way, I think face mask calls should also be reviewable. Um, other holding situations, uh, horse collar, I mean, they should all be reviewable, Zach. So the fact that this pass interference thing is reviewable and I mean, it's almost like, you know, you're basically saying, uh, two plus two is five. And the referees say, yep, that's correct. And then your opponent in this math 
competition says, wait a minute, no, it's four. Referees say, nope, it's five. We're leaving it as that. Like, that's what's happening here. You see a very obvious pass interference uh, no call that should have been called. It was missed. And they don't want to throw the flag. Like, I, I just don't get that. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't know. at this point, there's a part of me that almost wishes that they didn't review it anymore. Just because, I mean, it it's still going to be a missed PI call. Uh, that you know, at least then you know you're not wasting all of the time to go in review it, and then from the team's perspective, you know you're not lighting a challenge and a timeout on fire. Uh, I mean, realistically, if this is the way it's going to be, the rule might as well not even exist because all it does is continue to muck up the pace of play, slow it down, uh, and you know, in the past, you know, we were all always frustrated by the fact that, yep, you missed a PI there, but you move on and you you know, onto the next play and it's still at least watchable. Whereas uh, at the moment, you know, you miss a PI call, you take a bunch of time to go and review it, and then you still miss a PI call. It drives yeah. me nuts. Might as well just keep your timeouts if you're a head coach. Um by the way, did you see what Brittany Matthews, uh who, for those who don't know, that's Patrick Mahomes' longtime girlfriend. I think they've been together seven years, they said in the off season during their anniversary. Did you see what she tweeted after the game? Nope. I mean, other than, like, you telling someone not to come at her for something, I don't know. But as far as I'm concerned, it's certainly uh, something that, as Chiefs fans, like, guys, we got to leave these people be. Don't go find their houses. That's not awesome. We established that in the offseason. Don't come at friends and family just because you're annoyed with how things are going on the field. Like, you know, as you and I were talking about before the podcast, Farzee, it's like, you know, you can take issue with anything and everything I say on the podcast. That's fine. I stand behind most of it. Uh, even the hot takes, which I stand behind as hot takes. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if you're to come after my family on Twitter for something like that, well, then it's not me that has a problem at that point. That's you with yeah. a problem, and you need to really do some self-examination there. Same way if you're tweeting at Mahomes' girlfriend, like, bro, it's a game. One. Two, this is someone you don't know. Just be a normal human the same way you would in public. And if that's how you'd be in public, well, for the love of God, don't go out in public. Well, let me say what sparked all this, because I I was like, what are people saying to her? Um, So she was tweeting during the game, and I saw her tweets during the game. She was saying, you know, oh, the Chiefs are here to kick some butt. She put the... um the uh, butt emoji that a lot of people use. uh, It's a peach, Farzine. Yeah, yeah, peach. Thank you. (laughs) Um... Loss. This loss has really broken us, Zach. This really has. These two losses. Um, we're forgetting things. Uh, but no, she she put that tweet there, and then she put another tweet saying, you know, the Chiefs are back. They're showing up. Great punt by Dustin Colquitt, uh, which was which, kind to of be odd fair, to say. It was. It was yes, but kind of weird to say after a uh, three and out. Um, she, so she was tweeting during the game. Uh. I guess people responded to where she was saying, oh, the team is here to kick butt and they're doing so good, they're back. I guess people went back to her tweets and said this didn't age well to her. Which, look, obviously when you say that directly to the girlfriend of the starting quarterback, she's going to take that hard. Because um, that is obviously her man who is dealing with this loss. Surely Patrick's mother and Patrick's father and Patrick's uh, younger brother and uh, even younger sister. Surely they're hurting watching their uh, son, boyfriend, brother get beat the way he did. Uh, Let me just say this. You would not like it if you did not do a good job at your place of work 
and someone decided to tag all your family members. You wouldn't. Uh, criticize the team. Criticize Mahomes if you think it's fair for criticism. Uh, we, we do that. But don't go tagging these guys' family members, okay? Now, let me say one thing about Brittany. I think she's 24, 23. I, I think she and Patrick are the same age. I don't know if you saw in the offseason, she was complaining that they were uh, they were um, on vacation with Travis Kelsey, uh, uh, Chris Conley. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Sammy Watkins. Pretty much all Chiefs. the pass catchers except for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, and they all went with their wives or girlfriends uh, and uh, Brittany Matthews, I guess she had been sharing a lot of videos on her Instagram story and just on social media in general. And she was complaining because so many people were taking screenshots and posting them online. It's like, look, your boyfriend is a superstar and people like it when he does silly things like jet skiing and a cowboy outfit or whatever or with a cowboy hat. Like people, people love that stuff. People like to see that side of him because all we see is football, 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 football. Now we see these commercials of and him in cereal boxes and eating ketchup, Madden cover. It's like we love that stuff. But, um, you know, he's a superstar now. So there's going to be more demand to see him outside of the field, such as, you know, Call of Duty or Fortnite, whatever he's doing. So Brittany's got to understand that she's with someone who has all of these things. So if you don't like it, either make your social media private and start removing people who are following you or just don't post these things at all. Now, totally when it comes to when it comes to tagging uh, family members, wives, girlfriends in specific, like the, the wives and girlfriends, they take it the hardest. I mean, that's, as I said, you know, that's their husband or boyfriend that gets beat out there and they work so hard leading up to that day to make us happy, essentially, at the end of the day. Um, so to tag her and, you know, make her feel guilty or her boyfriend feel guilty of this, I mean, it's cowardly, man. Leave her alone. If you want to criticize Mahomes, just do it without tagging any of his family members. It's I, I that's hot take. Don't tag family members of players. Should it be a hot take, hard. but I suppose it is. Yeah, no, it's it's not that hard to just be you know, a generally reasonable human being. Don't get me wrong. I have my moments too, but I mean, to be honest, when it comes to stuff like this, I just don't get it. Like, you know, if I'm mad at, you know, insert player here, I might tag them, but even that I generally try not to do. Um, but regardless, yeah, it's it solves nothing to you know, go and no. tag all of their friends and family. It's like uh, that accomplishes exactly one thing, and that's just making you look like yeah. You know, I mean, kind of a, the troll that you're being at that point. So I, mean, I don't know. We spent way more airtime on this than we need to, though. No, no, for sure. Uh, so just don't be a troll. That's all we're trying to say. It's not hard. All right. Uh, no, uh, come on. Uh, all right, looking ahead real quickly. We'll obviously dive into this more in the next episode. Chiefs Broncos. Chiefs are four and a half point favorites for now. But more importantly, Zach, the Chiefs have lost two in a row and the Broncos have won two in a row. They just beat the Titans 16 nothing, As we mentioned earlier, Mariota got pulled for Ryan Tannehill early in the second half, short week. Plus, the Denver crowd will be on fire. I know you mentioned a lot about going to Denver and the uh, the the uh, the, the air there and all that stuff. Literally, uh, but here's the thing: uh, that's going to be a raucous atmosphere at Mile High Stadium because 
The last time the Chiefs were on the road, they played Detroit. What happened? Detroit got off to a 10-0 start, and my God, that stadium was loud. You could hear it through the TV speakers. It's even louder in Denver. I mean, they've got a loud fan base that shows up. And even though they started, what, 0-4, and now that they've won two in a row, and it's Thursday night football, prime time, uh, NFL Network, or whichever Against network is going to be their biggest rival. Yeah, I mean, your biggest rival is coming into the town. Mahomes is already 3-0 and against Denver, the place where he made his first career start. That's where he's going. Broncos fans have yet to see a win over Mahomes, so they're going to be on fire Thursday night. Uh, so it's going to be a challenging game for the Chiefs, not to, not to quote Andy Reid when he says he, he looks forward to the challenge each week. But pessimism is very high right now, Zach. I asked on Twitter... What, uh, for a poll, I said, uh, who wins, uh, on Thursday? 72% said Chiefs, 28 said Broncos. And I also asked, how do you see the season ending? 20% said Super Bowl appearance, 57% said playoff appearance, 17% said barely missed the playoffs, 6% said only a couple more wins. Those polls, by the way, have only been up for a couple of hours, so, uh, I'm sure they've changed, uh, or they will change by the time you hear this, uh, Arrowhead Pride had a poll. Did you see this? It was like a confidence poll. Uh, so after the Colts game, they do it each week, by the way. They ask, you know, how do you feel about the team? The Chiefs had a 95% approval rating. I feel like we're talking about Donald Trump right now with approval ratings. Uh, the Chiefs had a 95% positive rating. That dropped to a 55% after the Colts game. What is it going to be after this game? Less. <laughs> Way less. Um... <laughs> Yeah, Sorry to be uh, so flip about it, but realistically, I mean, that it's going to be way less. Though that said, uh, still encouraged by the fact that, yeah, the majority of people still do think the Chiefs are going to manage to win this game against the Broncos. Uh, but it's certainly not going to be an easy one. No, and we will dive more into that on Tuesday. Benjamin Albright will join us. He will give us Denver side of things. How do they feel? Two wins in a row while the Chiefs have lost two in a row. Uh, very, very opposite starts each week for those two teams. Uh, complete opposite uh, results each week. So we'll talk about that, and we'll see how things pan out on Thursday night. Zach and I, we will give our predictions for that game. Meanwhile, we've got a lot of text messages to do, so let's do. Let's try to do a speed round of these. And there's also a story I really want to touch on that happened in the uh, state of Kansas with high school football. But before that, you ready to read some good old text messages? Yeah, let's do it. We have a lot of I like of them. doing Six... this after wins, but I guess we'll bite the bullet and do it now. Well, I like doing it after wins too, but after losses, we have a lot more of these. I wonder why. Uh, 626, Daniel in Florida. What's happening on the defense? Bad play calling by Steve Spagnolo, or is it bad personnel? I think it's a mix of both, but tackling has been terrible. I think it's everything. You know, I know a lot of people want to ask which one is it. It's always a mix of things, uh, but man. Uh, I still think he's better than Bob Sutton, but not by much right now. Yeah, I think it. You know, it's it's a mix of the personnel. I mean, certainly schematically haven't been in great positions, but I think the one thing that also needs to be mentioned is the fact that they, impartially, it's their own fault for not being able to get off the field. But they've spent a lot of time on the field, and it just makes it even worse. Eight one six. That's a good team. Not a shame to lose a game to them. Refs were hot garbage. Man, coverage has us bedeviled run defense uh, is terrible let's see more raglan can't be worse uh i know raglan came in at the end of the game and made a couple couple plays but you know 
I don't think he's going to be the savior for this defense. I mean, he's good in the run game, but I think that there's enough other problems in the run game that realistically, like, you know, you're, a guard's going to get to him and slow him up anyway. There's nothing he's going to be able to do about that. So I agree it's a good team. Refs were trash. But we have a lot more problems than just the refs. Eight, uh, 816, Enrique from KC. Injuries will affect a team, not making excuses, but the fact is they will. We will get healthy and get back on track. Fair weather fans coming out of the woodworks. Penalties are killing us. We have to protect the quarterback. Seems like a penalty on every kickoff. Dave Tobe has got to get that together. I know we touched on most of that, but as far as like the fans, you know, jumping off the bandwagon and all, uh, you know, let's let's try to let's try to. I, people are using the term, you know, how the loss is breaking fans, which we all know about that. Uh, let's if it happens this week, man. If we suffer a third straight loss, boy, I, I, Twitter is going to be a firestorm. That's all I can say. To be fair, Twitter's always a firestorm. That too. I agree yes. with him on the fact that penalties are absolutely killing us. The last two games, the fact that, you know, that, that is the other part of these two games that we haven't talked about nearly enough is the fact that, you know, we've set team records now for number of penalties in the last two games, and we have to clean that up. Because I don't know what the final yardage amount that we gave in both games was, but... I want to say it's like well north of 100 yards of free yardage that we've given to our opponents uh, through penalties, and we can't have that. No, uh, you're just not going to win games, uh, in addition to all the other things, uh, with you know very limited plays and time of possession, for sure. Uh, 217, I prefer the 3-4 over the 4-3 defense, and would have liked to see Rex Ryan over Steve Spagnuolo. What are your thoughts on the 3-4 versus the 4-3, and who would you have taken uh, as defensive coordinator? Okay. I remember Rex Ryan was the first candidate mentioned publicly, but that didn't seem like it was actually a realistic candidate. I would have liked Rex Ryan. I don't know how much he loves a broadcasting gig. I know Herm Edwards stayed at ESPN for nine years before he went back to coaching at Arizona State. Or not back to Arizona State, but back to coaching is what I meant. Um, as far as the 3-4, 4-3, look, there are more options than the 3-4. When you have a dominant nose tackle like a Dontari Poe kind of guy, yeah, he can definitely allow one-on-one coverage for a Tom Bahali or a Justin Houston, which is exactly what we saw. I just don't know if either system would even benefit the Chiefs right now. I don't think it's the system. I just think it's more the personnel and the coaching. Yeah, I mean, I think that realistically, you could you know, you make this team into a 3-4 team, sure. You're still going to have Derek Nottie getting blown off the ball. Um, you know, You're still going to have... Frank Clark missing tackles off the edge. Um, you know, I think that, yeah, maybe it would be nicer to have Rex Ryan, but I don't think Spagnuolo is really the problem. I think it's been the combination of personnel and execution. Uh, and really, the interior of the defensive line has been the biggest issue, and we have to fix it. I'm not sure how we're going to fix it with the personnel we have, but it has to be addressed. I'm just going to tie these next two texts together because they're similar. Out of the 816 and the 864, I'll read the 816 first. Our defense is absolutely horrific, except for Tyron Matthew. O-line can't protect Mahomes. We look far from a championship team this year. 864 says our defense is straight garbage. Spags is a terrible defensive coordinator. Our offensive line can't run or pass block. How many times have we heard that in, from text messages? It's still uh, true. Uh, we have too many holds to trade for any one player to solve a problem. We will be lucky to make the playoffs. So one person saying we are far from a championship team. Another says we'll be lucky to make the playoffs. 
I mean, it's differing degrees of the same sentiment, and I hear where they're coming from, to a point. I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, a rebuttal for the, you know, defense being horrific, except for Matthew. I mean, Fuller's been okay. Thornhill's been okay. Uh, but the rest of it, yeah, not great. Yeah, uh, Matthew, Fuller, and, and uh, Thornhill have been, have been not great, but good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, and I mean, Chris Jones is okay. Uh, but... You know, I don't think it's Spags' problem, as we just discussed. No need to revisit that. But the offensive line uh, injuries have clearly... I mean, I didn't... You know me. I ragged on Eric Fisher as much as anybody, in probably more than most. And boy, am I eating a nice heaping pile of crow at the moment for all of those takes, because, my goodness, Cameron there Irving has, is just a... He's bad. There has to be someone in free agency. I'm not a scout. I'm not a general manager. But I know for a fact there is someone available at offensive tackle and free agency who will not commit as many penalties as Cam Irving. I, I, I there has to be. There just. Has I mean, to be. yeah, you could literally go out to the front of the stadium, pick up a turnstile, and force the defensive end to go through it and give Mahomes a little more time than Irving has, and also it won't get called for holding. No, that is <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. Uh, Aaron uh, from Front Royal, Virginia. He has some good texts out of the 313. Speechless. End of text. Let's move on. I like how his signature is longer than the body of his (laughs) That is, yeah, his signature is longer. Um, 573. Uh, This is Janelle. After calming down some, our defense needs a lot of work, but they also spend entirely too much time on the field lately. We are also missing some key players as far as the offense. I think they should sit Mahomes out on Thursday night. Wow, okay. Uh, A stressed ankle can lead to a broken ankle. Denver is not worth the risk. Okay, so let me say this. I agree with her that, you know, if, if an injury is bad, yeah, sure. Don't let something like Robert Griffin III, don't let that kind of thing happen uh, when he was in uh, Washington and Shanahan basically broke him in that playoff game. But we're not Pretty Mahomes. broke his career, too. We're Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we're not in there. We're not the trainers. We're not the doctors. So we don't know how bad it is. Yeah, when he limps, we all, you know, cover our mouths and we're worried as hell, but... Uh, do you think we should rest him in this game, Zach? That's kind of a, that's a bold move there. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly not tuning in to watch the fighting Matt Moores against the Broncos on Thursday, so no. No, I mean, if the injury's bad, yeah, sure. But, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, they don't just get too confident is what I'm trying to get out here. 785, is Mahomes being allowed to make play changes? Uh, do we know the answer to that? It's hard to say I, without being uh, behind the scenes. I, I genuinely don't know, but I guess if he is making some of the play changes, if you know his changes are what's resulted in some of these boneheaded play calls, well, all of a sudden he needs to have those privileges taken away. I don't think that's the case, but yeah. Regardless, I don't think that uh, whatever's going on with the play calling needs to be addressed. Out of the 336, Michael in North Carolina, he sent two texts. Uh, Tyreek Hill is the most important player on the team, uh, or is Tyreek Hill the most important player on the team than Mahomes? I say yes. You know, you and I talked about that already. Yeah, he is important, but not the savior, obviously. He didn't solve everything. The other text Michael sent. Is there a reason why Andy Reid will not run the ball? With Mahomes' ankle injury, it would help him to run the ball a little bit more. Yes, because the Chiefs have not been great at running the football. 
Uh, and not only that, when you're trailing, why run the ball? Uh, it's just the running game has not lived up to the expectations, so you kind of have to abandon the running game, I think. I mean, and realistically, name a running back on our squad who's a good between-the-tackles kind of guy. Spoiler alert, we don't have one. Unless you want to talk Anthony Sherman, maybe. Uh, and so I think that's part of it. And I think that the straight-up abandonment of the run game is irresponsible. But the way that we're constructed right now, I don't see that. You know, I don't see calling more run plays as a uh, net positive by any stretch. I wanted to talk about this story before. By the way, thanks for all the texts. 913-808-2119. Let me check and see, by the way, if we do have any more text messages. Uh, Yeah, we do have one more uh, that just came in. Uh, 626, Brian in Texas. The D sucks so bad. Uh, What more did we expect in the first year of a new scheme? I'm trying to remember when we switched from the 4-3 to the 3-4, I knew we traded Jared Allen. Yeah, that was after firing Herm Edwards in 2009. Todd Haley came in and changed that uh, with Clancy Pendergast, of all people. Uh, I'm trying to see where I left off. How do we do that next year? I don't remember being good. Seldom do defenses switch schemes and be on top tier. Analyze that, please. Okay, Brian, uh, we'll do that. Uh, That's a fair here's point. Here's the thing. Yeah, so... It took Tom Bahali. By the way, the Chiefs, I think they broke the record for fewest sacks in 2008. And so after firing Herm Edwards and bringing in Todd Haley and Clancy Pendergast, yeah, we saw the switch. Um, Tom Bahali, it took him a while to get going, but he he became uh, obviously a much better 3-4 outside linebacker than a 4-3 defensive end. We started seeing him become the Pro Bowl Tom Bahali that we had been waiting for. So... You know, I, I think it depends on the players you have. Look at D Ford. He was playing 4-3 defensive end in college. And coming to the NFL with the Chiefs, he played outside linebacker. He was excited to go back to the 4-3, but the Chiefs didn't want to keep him. Maybe money was also a reason as well as injuries, but it's always hard to say. You know, we're not scouts and coaches, um, so it's hard to say, you know, who we think is going to be best fit for what system in the pros compared to college. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, it it's certainly shown some growing pains this year, and hopefully those you know continue to improve. Uh, you know, we need to get someone in there. Like you know, it, as I'm looking at you know what would really help the defense, you know, long term, I think that we need someone like a you know like a Damon Harrison, a Snacks Harrison type, uh, where he's just a big space eater in the run game, and he's able to you know really cause some trouble there in the middle of that defensive line, and brings a toughness to it that this D-line clearly does not have at the moment. That sort of guy might be able to make a difference, but spoiler alert, there's only a handful of those guys, and none of them are available. So, yeah, I think we're still going to have to deal with the growing pains realistically. Yeah, I know a lot of people want Bashad Breeland gone. It's like, who are you going to bring in? You don't have a lot of other options. Morris Claiborne's been playing, but he hasn't made it much much of a difference. He, In fact, he was penalized twice, if I remember correctly, so... Uh, you're stuck with what you have, I think. I know people are... I, I even got a couple of tweets saying, hey, hopefully we can do something at the trade deadline. Uh, realistically, I don't know what we can expect at this point, but we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see how the... You know, it, it, so much still is in the air as far as the deadline goes. I'll hold out maybe a little bit of hope there, but I don't think it's going to be this you know, magic cure that everybody wants it to be. Okay, I want to touch on this real quickly. Uh, high school football. We're talking high school football on here. Uh, if you thought the Chiefs game was bad, folks, 
There's another team that has it worse. Uh, Emporia versus Highland Park High School. So Emporia beat Highland Park by a grand score of 98 to 16. Fun fact, it is the 49th consecutive time Emporia has beat Highland Park. Emporia scored a 50-yard rushing touchdown. Then they called a timeout to stop the running clock so they can go for two and try to get 100 points. Obviously, they didn't get that. Uh, Highland Park head coach Mike, I'm going to butcher this, for Forsyser? I'm going to go with Forisier. Okay, that too. He told the Topeka Capital Journal, quote, 37 years in this profession, I've never done that blank. What did they prove? Is that going to be on your damn tombstone? I tell my kids every day, wins and losses aren't going to be on my damn tombstone. It's disrespectful. I know we're down, but I'd rather be with these kids than them. And that's exactly how I feel, but it's dead wrong, and they did. Dead wrong. You can question anything I call. You can question the calls I make in a game, but the one thing I always take with me is you can't question my integrity and integrity of the game. Uh, You don't do those things. And by the way, Zach, you uh, found this uh, before we started the podcast. In fact, you read about this before I even brought it up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, rushing yards, 403 yards for Emporia. Passing yards, only 93. So almost 500 yards of total offense. And the majority of them, uh, four-fifths of them, almost all rushing. The starters were also pulled midway through the second quarter. And a lot of their position, positions, they uh, or possessions, excuse me, Started with great field position, too, which is something you got to keep in mind. Yeah, and so I guess all that was just to say that realistically, like, 98 is a lot of points, and that's not a lot of yards to uh, rack up that many points when you think about it. Uh, and so, don't get me wrong, I wasn't at the game, obviously, because I live in New York, uh, but, you know, you look at the uh, just the spread there, and it's, it's never fun to take, you know, anything like that like that's that's a royal bummer to be on the wrong end of but uh i i think that you know the way that the losing coach made a bigger stink out of it i don't think that you know when when i looked into the context there i I don't think that it was as you know much of an integrity play as he wants it to sound like i mean don't get me wrong i get it it's a tough thing to do but at the same time what more do you want the coach to do he pulled his starters midway through the second quarter uh, and they still put up tons of points on you. There's a certain point at which, man, like it's your job to you know put your kids in a position to, you know, I mean, in this case, win is maybe a little bit too rich, but uh, you know, you got to put your kids in a position to not get smoked, ninety-eight to sixteen. So I think that you know, as much as he wants to harp on the uh, you know integrity of the game there, and I not knowing the situation of the you know. Uh, you know, the timeout for the two-point conversion there, like, that certainly on its face raises some concerns, but at the same time, like, I don't know, man. I I just don't think that this is that big a deal. I have two things to say. Number one, if you don't like it, stop it. Um, I played sports as a kid, and I'll tell you what, man, I played on bad teams pretty much all the time. I still remember, not exactly, but... You know, some of the scores were like 25-7 to in basketball. In fact, I remember once we lost 50-some and we barely scored double digits. Like, we got our asses kicked a lot. Uh, It wasn't fun. But we had no one to blame but ourselves because we couldn't stop them and we couldn't score. Same exact thing here, man. If you don't like it when they're putting in their backups, by the way, 
then start with your 0-6 football team. Second thing, I don't feel one bit bad for these kids, okay? I hear this a lot with, like, college players and uh, high school players. Oh, man, you're hurting their feelings. They know they had a bad game. I don't care. I hurt anyone's players' feelings. Okay, listen. These guys, by the way, these football players, they go and they pick on all the nerds at their schools and bully them. You think I'm going to feel bad when they get their butt kicked in a football game? No, I don't give a damn. Uh, You lose like that? Yeah, you deserve to hear it. So, you know, you bully the kids at your schools. Let's be honest, it's mostly the jocks. These these athletes here, you got bullied on the field. You got a taste of your own medicine. You know, cry me a river. to be fair, like, yo, are those kids going to feel any better if it's a 70-16 to 16 beatdown? I no, mean, let's be real. Thing. Like, I think that, you know, once you've gotten past that 50-point mark uh, in both points and, I guess, the spread, uh, you know, realistically, I don't think, you know, I think it's just semantics at that point, and I think it's pretty clear that, you know, the kids were pretty out of it by the end of the first quarter based on what I saw in the box score. I'm pretty sure they had, like, 49 points in the first quarter. So... I really don't think that it's, uh, I mean, you, know, you you hate to see that for the kids as a general rule, but uh, again, I don't think that uh, you know it's any integrity issue on the part of the opposing team, because it certainly seems that he did whatever was in his power to uh, you know, mitigate the beatdown that was still on its way. So How do you, how do you say the coach's name again? Forcier, I think? I don't Forcier? know. Forcier? Forcier, I don't know. Coach Forrest here, if you're listening, which you're probably not, I worry more about the fact that you're 0-6, and at the end of the day, these kids whose feelings are probably hurt, I mean, they they bully other kids in school. Like, I know I'm, I'm beating on that a lot, but cry me a river. Do something about it if you don't like it. By the um, same token, it's a good thing that wins and losses aren't on your tombstone. Yeah, that, that, is, <laughs> that is a very good thing for sure. Uh, you know what's not a good thing? Uh, these last two losses. Hopefully, we can uh, rebound from that. Zach, we will be back tomorrow, or excuse me, Tuesday rather. We will preview the game between the Chiefs and Broncos Thursday night football. It's going to be fun. Benjamin Albright's going to join us. We will break that down. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian at Farzine21 on Twitter at ZSegna on Twitter. Thank you guys who joined us for the Facebook Live videos uh, at uh, halftime and after the game, the live videos. Always a great turnout. So thank you guys who did that. 913-808-2119. The text line. Thanks to everyone who texted in. A lot of text messages. A lot of angry texts. But hey, that's okay. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the links. Thursday Night Football, very, very short week. We'll be back pretty quickly, and hopefully we turn things around because we got to start putting out the fire that's going on in Kansas City. I'm Barzim Vasugian. He's Zach Stegna. Talk to you on Tuesday.